TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Free online visit. You need to go to this exclusive address. Hymns.com slash joy. That's hymns.com slash joy for your free online visit. H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. Yeah. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Babe. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios Babe. on 929 FM ESPN. We now we on your block and it's like a ghost town. Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. He is on X at C Fowler BCM. We also have our podcast where we're co-hosts together. That would be the On the Bluff pod. Find the full-length video version on YouTube, but if you uh, just need the audio, make sure you go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Christian, what's up, man? How are you? I'm wonderful, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well. I am uh, I- I'm great after this weekend. Just, I mean... I- Wall-to-wall football, and I thought week one delivered, ultimately. I, I thought I thought we really learned a fair amount, and some good games sprinkled in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were some good storylines overall, but I'm glad we're moving past week one now. <laughs> I'm glad we're moving right. past the 81-7 to and 73-0 to nothing blowouts, because right. like you said, there was a couple good ones sprinkled in there, but not much, which typical week one, a lot of blowouts, a lot of cupcake games, and we'll start getting into the meat eventually. Yeah, I did love seeing what was the Oregon mascot had to do 546 push-ups. Yeah, that's ridiculous. In their game against Portland State, <laughs> 81 points later. But no, the, the the game that was close, the game that I think captivated the most as far as an audience's perspective is is concerned is Colorado versus TCU and what that team was able to make happen was to me, nothing short of just inspirational in a lot of ways. Like that was seeing Shador Sanders set the Colorado school passing record, 38 for 47, 510 yards. He made himself look like a pure out, full out pro. And then Travis Hunter, that is, I mean, he is the college football version of Shohei Otani. He played 129 snaps, 100, uh, 110 plus yards receiving, had a pick. That was unbelievable a week one to come out against a top 25 team on the road and win that type of game did, did you expect that after the offseason we've seen from them no and I'll I'll explain it to you exactly how it did to uh, you know on the, on the podcast last night me and Kenny did because you were unavailable because right. of the bachelor trip I went on the whole tangent on this so I'll, I'll try to keep it a little bit shorter for here 
But in my opinion, like just obviously I'm not a Colorado fan, so just from the outside looking in as someone who is a big college football fan, keeps up with all the storylines, I think if anyone outside of that organization said they either believed in what was going to happen or did not believe in what was going to happen, it was a guess. No one knew what was going to happen. This was a complete unknown. What I said, this is kind of how I tried to put it together to make sense to people. Colorado this year in college football is like it is like college football at an, an expansion team. No one knows mm-hmm. what to no one knew what right. to expect from this team. It's eighty seven new players. Like this is legitimately that's as close of an example as I can come to. This is an expansion team that's never played a game of football before because we've never seen these players on the field together. Like this really is unprecedented. This has never happened. There's never been eighty seven new players play on a team in one year. So for people saying one way or the other, I don't think anyone knew. I, I think you could have had people that were cautiously optimistic or people that were skeptical, but no one could have said for sure, like, yeah, Colorado's going to come out and be awesome. I think there was maybe three things that we truly knew going into this game, in my opinion. One was that we knew Deion Sanders could coach. Now, he proved that at Jackson mm-hmm. State. He proved he could coach at Jackson State. Number two was that Shador Sanders is a very talented quarterback. Yep. Yes, he played at the FCS level. Yes, he played at Jackson State. But he was highly ranked coming out of high school, and he showed at the FCS level that he was talented. Number three, Travis Hunter is incredible. Number one overall player coming out of high school two years ago. Plays both sides of the ball. Those three things were unquestioned. Everything past that, from coaching staff uh, to rotations to the players that would step up, was absolutely unknown. If there's anyone outside of the University of Colorado that said Dylan Edwards was going to have 135 receiving yards and three touchdowns as a true freshman running back uh, out of Kansas, then they're absolutely just making stuff up. So I I thought it was incredible. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's what captivated college football over the weekend, but no one had any idea this was coming. I mean, they were three touchdown underdogs. So so clearly we, we saw what people thought of them going into the game. And they shocked the world. And as you said, inspirational, great story. And it was, man, it really did. It captivated the whole weekend uh, of week one of college football. I will say this. If they want to uh, continue to win games like that defensively, they're going to have to tighten up, man. That's, 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 that's one thing that, that was very noticeable. But, like, you, you don't hold that against them because of where they've been. Right? They were 1-11 last year. You don't hold that against them. As long as they win a game on the road against a number 21 team in the country – let bygones be bygones, but we'll see how, how this all ages. I will say, and I think we've had this conversation before about uh, Sean Lewis, their OC, but he was at Bowling Green. Uh, when when we went up there, University of Memphis went up there, I believe in 2015, played that, played that crazy game. I mean, just up and down the field, um, and they had that high-powered offense. He is the perfect guy to take over that offense. That was a great hire by Prime. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. That offense was what Matt Johnson, Garrett Dieter. That, yep. that was that twenty. Yeah, and that offense was really, really good. I, I remember that season they played. I think they played Tennessee in Week One, and they ultimately lost that game. But they were very competitive, and they, I think they scored maybe twenty-eight points in that game. So, yeah, I agree. Sean Lewis is the perfect OC for what they're trying to do. Uh, I think he clearly is giving Shador Sanders enough freedom to be himself. I mean, you look at clearly, yes. You you look at the different levels that that Shador played in that game. You have early in the game where he's really checking it down, taking what the defense gives him. I think at one point he was like 11 of 12 for 83 yards. So he was not pushing the ball down the field. And then as the game progressed, they really couldn't get a run game going, so they really leaned on the vertical passing game and Shador to kind of make 
plays outside the pocket and just to find to find guys and he ended up having 400 plus yard receivers in the game really because Sean Lewis leaned on him and just allowed him to go do his thing because they really couldn't get much of a running game going either and uh sidebar for for prime uh I don't think it's sustainable to play Travis Hunter 129 plays a game but we'll see <laughs> we'll see yeah. I don't want him to kill the young fellow like good god so. that's insane I mean that's that you can't do that you can't do that game to game Especially against some of the more physical teams on your schedule, you got to be careful about playing guys extended snaps like that. Right, and then and then games specifically where you're playing. I mean, the Pac-12 showed off their quarterbacks this weekend, and in games where you're playing those top-level quarterbacks, like you're going to need Travis Hunter to be fresh and to be 100 percent on defense because, as you already mentioned, like their defense didn't look great, and he is their you know they're by far their best overall defensive player and they need him to be at 100% and locked in yeah. on on that end of the field for them to be successful against some of the best quarterbacks in that conference. Yeah, and those quarterbacks get up and down the field. They all like all those offenses play with tempo. So yeah, they you're 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 adding more plays and I understand TCU is very similar but um maybe not with, with a with a little less at the quarterback position than than a lot of those teams in the Pac-12. And by the way, did you expect the Pac-12 to be undefeated at this point? The, the yeah, year we're going to watch them turn into dust, it seems like one of the best years in Pac-12 football of really, I mean, my lifetime, your lifetime. I mean, it's, there's a lot more talent in this uh, in this conference than there has been in a while. Yeah, which is crazy because, like like you're saying, this is this thing's about to crumble to dust, and they've got Caleb Williams, Heisman frontrunner. They've got Bo Nix who's in the Heisman conversation. They've got Michael Penix, uh, who just throttled Boise State and had yep. 450 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, you've got Dante Moore, the freshman that came in for UCLA at the end of the game, five-star freshman. So it's like as soon as they're trending upwards because the Pac-12 for the last, you know, 10-plus years at least been on the outside looking in of of the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC, and now it's like they they literally have the best quarterback play in the country and they're going to disintegrate after this year. So it's, it's just wild. Mm-hmm. Talking with Christian Fowler at C. Fowler BCM, senior writer and content creator for Bluff. City media now uh, Tigers. Let's move on to some Tiger football. They beat Bethune Cookman fifty-six to fourteen. Defense looked phenomenal. Uh, they didn't give up a single point. It was all. I mean, there was a fumble return and an interception return for a touchdown that got Bethune Cookman the fourteen. I thought the run game looked a lot better uh, between Sutton Smith, Blake Watson. I mean, that was one of the best rushing performances I've seen in a while. But Bethune Cookman is just not a good team, even in the FCS. What What did you think? What were your What were your takeaways? from week one of this uh, this Tiger football season. Yeah, I, I know this is probably being safe, but we've got to give the caveat and the disclaimer of this is Bethune-Cookman, a team that misses. Uh, a Memphis team that, from a national perspective, doesn't have a ton of national hype this offseason. Memphis was favored by 49 points against this team. So they're not a good football team. Memphis was supposed to do this. Fortunately, they did do this. That's a positive takeaway. They didn't you know, go in and – not look good. I mean, they were 56 to 14. And as you mentioned, the defense allowed zero points and under a hundred yards. So they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Biggest takeaways. This defense looks like it could be very good. You and I have both been on record saying it could be a top five unit in the American this year. And if they play like that, clearly the, uh, the level of opponent will, will take steps forward throughout the season but if they're fast and physical and deep the way that they showed they are on Saturday, which are, are things that we've been very excited about all offseason, then this defense stands in a, in a really good place. Uh, the, run, the two running backs, Sutton Smith and Blake Watson, 
add a, a bit of dynamic that this offense hasn't seen since 2019. I know Brandon Thomas was successful for a couple of seasons, and they've had other running backs, Asa Martin, who have been productive. But as far as just the explosiveness that Blake Watson and Sutton Smith have, the shiftiness, uh, the, way, the way that they're able to be rushers and receivers, I, I think they add a different dynamic. To this offense, um, my one, I think my one, maybe you can call this one and a half negative takeaways would be that Memphis still allowed five and a half tackles for loss in this game, yep. which is a little bit concerning against a bad opponent. And Seth Hennigan just didn't look extremely sharp. I mean, he, he didn't play bad, but you would hope this is a game where he stays clean off turnovers and is able to get the ball to his playmakers, which he did. He got the ball, you know, the Demir Blencompsey and Rock Taylor uh, and Towski Dove, but he did turn the ball over and he just wasn't as sharp as you hoped for. But at the same time, you still got, you know, Arkansas State and Navy, so he still got two games to kind of get things cleaned up and be be kind of humming at 100% when they go into, uh, into St. Louis for the Missouri game. So overall, it's hard to take anything negative away. I'm just, you know, some people want to hear the positive and negative, so I'm giving that. But overall, 99% of this game is positive, which it should have been. Yeah, the turnovers are the only thing I look at. Just like you, you can't have that against a inferior opponent like that. Now, I will say, I think it's Amory Jones is a guy who caught the, the D lineman who caught the interception and took it back for a touchdown. That was just a hell of a play. Was, I mean, that yeah. was like he pulled a rabbit out of the hat on that one. I was just amazed that he was able to to grab that thing and bring it all the way back. Um, I did. Th- I do think I through the off season have downplayed Sutton Smith's ability to run the ball between the tackles and and, and be that guy uh, consistently. Did did you see a lot uh, in regards to that this game? Because I, I felt like I did. Yeah, absolutely. I think all the. Because that was a lot of the questions with Sutton Smith is how much can they use him? Like how many touches can you give him a game? Like is he a is he a five to ten touch or can you give him you know somewhere between the twelve to sixteen touches? And I think he showed like he can run inside, he can run outside, he can catch the ball. He's a dynamic playmaker. Like he proved a lot this weekend because he is someone who we've talked about for a couple of off seasons or for an off season and a half at least where this guy could be really talented and could be a really good player at Memphis and now he's, you know, first game of the season and he's showing it. So that's definitely a positive sign. And I think even Blake Watson like proved a lot because he's coming from old dominion. Yep. You know, he was obviously productive there, but it's like, how does it translate? I know it's against Bethune Cookman once again, but to see him score three touchdowns to, to see him go over a hundred all purpose yards as a rusher and receiver to get five catches, like everything from the backfield was extremely promising to me. Yeah, I I think I mean five touchdowns rushing. <laughs> it's been a while since that's been the case. They right. have they have not been able to turn that turn out those kind of numbers since 2021, basically. Yeah. Since the first half of 2021. Now they have Arkansas. Games. They have Arkansas State coming up on Saturday. It's on the road at Arkansas State. Uh, how much better do you feel about this game after seeing what Oklahoma did to them? If Memphis seventy three zero. Yeah, seventy three nothing with a. I don't want to say a mediocre Oklahoma team, but not a very good Oklahoma. Like this isn't this isn't Lincoln Riley Oklahoma teams that are going to compete for college football playoff. I just don't think they're there yet under Brent Venables. I think Dylan Gabriel is obviously a really good quarterback that has a a ton of college production and a ton of college snaps. But I don't think they're that great, and they absolutely blew the doors off of Butch Jones and Arkansas State. And now Memphis is a twenty-one and a half point favorite against Arkansas State, and I'm going to be honest, I'll be uh, at least a little bit disappointed if they don't cover that spread because they are they should be quite a bit better than this team. And you and I talked about this either last week or two weeks ago. Like, these first three games, 
we're not going to learn a ton because I think Memphis should be a, a good bit better than all three of these teams. But if if they go out and they cover that spread against Arkansas State and they put it on them and they you know the next week against Navy on a Thursday night, if they can go beat them handily also, then I feel really good going into the meat of this schedule. Yeah, it's it, it's it, confidence it, building is what it is. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You come off of this game, Bethune Cookman. No one's going to really be talking about it because it's such a terrible team. But if they were to come out against Arkansas State and win by four or five touchdowns, then you might get some people look, you know, like some eyes turning on the program, especially locally, from people that are skeptical turning on the program, looking at okay, maybe maybe there is something with this team. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But we got to see what they look like at in St. Louis against Missouri. I do think three of the next four games. You've seen Arkansas State lose 73 nothing. You've seen Navy lose 42-3. to Now, granted, it was overseas. There's a lot of caveats you can put into that. Um, and you've seen Boise State. Boise State got hammered by Washington. That was not even close. And I know Michael Penix is a great quarterback, but 56-19, that is, uh, that is a lot more uh, than I expected them to get beat by. I thought Boise State was a better team. Yeah, and I mean, they were competitive for a little over a quarter. And then in the second quarter, uh, I mean, Washington's weapons took over, which they arguably, them in Ohio State, Ohio State with the Mecca and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Washington with Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan, like those are probably the, the two best one-two punches as far as receivers go well, in hey, college football. Hey, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, oh, we'll get to that in a yeah, second, but they, yeah, look, they, they look like they may be up there too. Yeah, they definitely they definitely put their name in the hat after after Sunday night, but their weapons for Washington just took over and it was way too much for Boise State to handle. So I didn't expect 56, 56 to 19, neither did Vegas. That was a 10, 10 point spread on that game. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe Boise State isn't as good as we expected them to be this year. Now holler at me about Florida State LSU. They routed them 45-24. Uh, it honestly for me it came down to execution. In big spots, I thought Florida State took advantage, especially in the second half, in every situation where they could have scored, they scored. LSU shot themselves in the foot, I think in the first quarter even, when they could have sort of given themselves a little bit of breathing room. They uh, they had two red zone opportunities and turned the ball over on downs on both. Yeah, I'll I'll go even deeper in into that on what I think the difference was. I think it was Jordan Travis versus Jaden Daniels. I think Jordan Travis is, is a better quarterback, and I think he played better in that game, especially in the second half. Um, but just to see, like, and I know you have you still have a small small percentage of Memphis fans that are not huge Mike Norvell fans because he left. But yeah, I don't know how you couldn't be happy for Mike. You know, someone that went to. A historically great program that was decimated when he got there. Fortunately, they gave him enough time to recruit, to bring in his guys. Uh, the the job they did developing Jordan Travis has been fun to watch. And then what they did in the transfer portal this year, you mentioned Keon Coleman. He was absolutely incredible. Uh, they got Johnny Wilson last year in the transfer portal. Uh, they got Jaheim Bell, who scored two touchdowns late in that game in the transfer portal from South Carolina. The other tight end, Kyle McCord, I think McCord and Bell were the top two tight ends in the transfer portal. Jared Verse, they got in the transfer portal two years ago and developed him into an absolute He's monster. A freak. He could, he He's could a freak. be the first defensive player taken in the 2024 draft. So kudos to Mike and that staff, man. They've done a great job. There's former Memphis guys littered all on that staff. Adam Fuller, another you know former Memphis coach, was the defensive coordinator there and is now the D.C. for – uh, for Florida State, and his defense did an incredible job with an offense that has Jaden Daniels, who a lot of people think is in the Heisman conversation. 
and Malik Neighbors, who is a potential first-round pick. So, overall, man, they they really handled them, especially in the second half. And just to see what he's building there, I think they're number four in the country today, if I'm not mistaken, and that's mm-hmm. that's a testament to what Mike Norvell can do for a program. I uh, I also think that looking at the ACC, he thinks that's pretty sweet now, after seeing what oh, Clemson yeah. did last night. That was that was nasty. That was nasty yeah. work by by Dabo and company. Yeah, absolutely. Top ten team in the country. Kate Klubnick, former five star. Everybody was really hyped about him after DJ Ungalele leaving and going to Oregon State, and then they. So DJ, you might not be the problem. He may not have been the problem at all. He may, he, he may not have been because he looked really good for Oregon State. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend against who was it, San Jose State? Who they played, I believe. Yep. Um, but yeah, that was a uh, that was ugly. Twenty-eight um, to seven, they couldn't do anything in the red zone. Turnovers. It was just terrible start to the season. I think they went from number nine to number twenty-five. One thing I noticed about Mike in this particular game, talking about Mike Norvell, of course. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. His halftime adjustments were phenomenal. He was throwing to run in the first half, so he was trying to uh, loosen up the box and run the ball. At the second half, he was running on early downs, trying to oppose, impose their will to a certain extent, then throwing the ball over top, getting those chunk plays. Like I, he, he changed his philosophy from half one to half two. And I don't know if at Memphis he was always that great with his halftime adjustments. That seems like something he pulled out of his bag in game one here against LSU that I haven't really seen him be fantastic at the rest of his career. Yeah, no, I think it was I think it was a great job, like I said, overall by the staff. But, yeah, to see the, the kind of switch that they did really leaning heavily on Trey Benson, and it, it wasn't necessarily big, you know, 30, 40-yard runs. It was it was staying ahead of the chains on, on second and third right. down and allowing Jordan Travis to make plays. And when you've got the – literally, when you have the freaks that they do at receiver, I mean, Keon Coleman, 6'4", 220, Johnny Wilson, 6'7", 240, Jaheim Bell, 6'3", 240. Like, they have unlimited upside and potential and athleticism as receiving weapons. And so to see them use their running game, which is not necessarily the highlight of their offense, to set it up 
in the second half just showed that, yeah, he's he's still growing and still maturing as a coach, and he's, it looks like he's reaching his prime as a coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the ACC, like now that we saw Clemson just flail around against Duke game one, who else Who else you think's out there that can that can really test his team? I mean, I would guess they, North Carolina. They don't. The they don't play North Carolina during the regular season. That'd have to be right. an ACC championship game, right? I guess Duke. Yeah, Duke may have, but it, the Florida State draws them at home. Duke looks like a solid football team. Riley Leonard, really good quarterback. Yeah, I like Riley Leonard a lot. He's got a lot of upside, but yeah, just overall in the ACC, there's just it's not much. There really isn't much. I mean, like I said, North Carolina, and as you mentioned, like that's a team that wouldn't really stop them from getting there. They would have to beat them in the ACC championship if they were to play. And even North Carolina, they didn't look great offensively. Like, we, we've talked a lot about Drake May, and, you know, there's a, been a lot of people over the offseason saying don't be surprised if he's, you know, the top quarterback taken over Caleb Williams, which uh, I'm not saying one game is going to change that. I still think Drake May has ridiculous potential. But you know, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 270 yards. The offense was okay. They were up and down, but the defense was – Incredible, and I don't know if that's more of a testament to North Carolina's defense and the job that they've done over the offseason because they weren't great last year, or if it's you know an indication of South Carolina's offensive line because they looked horrible. I mean, they allowed nine sacks. Yep. Spencer Rattler was under constant pressure, and by the end of the game, they were having third and twenty ones where he was throwing two yard outs and just throwing his hands up at Shane Beamer on the sideline, like, "What do you want me to do? I don't have any time." So, I, I think. After week one, I don't want to be too early on overreactions or anything, but it, it appears that Florida State is the clear favorite and, and clear team to beat in, in the ACC because they, they're just loaded. Is that, they're loaded. And, and let me ask you this, and I know that people don't want to jump the gun and you don't want to overreact, but is, is Dabo losing it? Is Dabo losing his way? It's felt like that for a couple years. Yeah, for a couple right? years, like, but especially – I mean, last night, that that is – I think the first time that Duke has beaten an AP top 10 team since 2004, the uh, first time they've beaten Clemson in a hell of a long time, and they beat them by uh, three touchdowns, and it should have been 28 nothing. I mean, Duke gifted them, gifted Clemson a, a touchdown off of a, a muff punt. Like, that was one of the worst offensive showings I've seen in the Dabo Sweeney era. Yeah, I'll do you one better. It was 1989 the last time Duke beat an a AP top 10 team. And it was Clemson also in 1989. Oh, I my believe. God. So, okay. I, I, I'm like 90. Well, maybe my, my, my statistician, I'm going to have to fire him, maybe. <laughs> yeah, get him out of there. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I could be totally wrong, but I swear I saw that. Um, regardless, yeah, it, it's it's been going downhill progressively since Trevor Lawrence left. Uh, I'm not going to disclude myself from this because I thought DJ Ungalele was also the truth. Like, I thought – when Trevor Lawrence left, there was going to be no hiccups. I thought DJU was incredible, and it just didn't really pan out at Clemson. And then it's like Kate Klubnick was coming in towards the end of last year, and it was like, well, this you know this guy looks like he could be really good, and not much of a sample size from him yet. But in the Orange Bowl last year, they didn't have a shot. I mean, Tennessee absolutely killed them in the Orange Bowl last year, and then they come out and they lay an absolute egg against a team that they were – I think that's another team that was a three-touchdown favorite, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just they lost by three touchdowns, if that tells you anything. Yeah, and my statistician was close. Uh, but first win over Clemson for Duke since 2004. So gotcha. there's that. But 
Yeah, there, there 1989, last time for AP Top 10 team, though. Yeah. And, and we do have to give credit where credit's due to Mike Elko. I mean, being 10-4 and four in the first uh, year and year in a game for a Duke, Duke football team is pretty substantial. Like, that's impressive as hell. Um, yeah, not, not a team that's known as a football powerhouse. Now, last thing for you, we'll, we'll transition to basketball on that note. Tiger basketball, Mikey Williams postponed again. <laughs> Mikey Williams yeah. postponed again. The preliminary hearing um, is going to be October 10th. So then it, it was first July 29th, then July 12th, then September 5th, now October 10th. I've never felt positive about it. I, I, this just adds, I mean, there was already a slim chance. I think you even cut into that chance now with this being delayed. Yeah, I'm with you. And and every time it's they keep saying, you know, there's more evidence, there's more evidence, there's more evidence. I don't know enough about the legal system or legal jargon or any of that. I have no idea. I, I don't know. It's not something that I look into. But it just feels like, you know, I think I think after the first time it was pushed two weeks from June 29th to July 12th or whatever it was, we felt positive about it. We were like, okay, maybe there is something new that they're discovering and, that, you know, they're kind of putting everything together where they feel better about it. And now it just feels like we're, we just keep kicking, kicking the can down the road. And, yeah. and we obviously have no idea why, but I'm with you. I'm not on the positive side of it. I don't, I don't feel necessarily positive about it. But to me, it's like there's there's so much in front of this team. Like when you look at them and what they have, the the last thing they need is a distraction. And I, so for me personally, like I'm just looking past this. Like however this pans out and turns out one way or the other, okay, that's fine. But like I just would rather focus on this team and what they have and, and say like, man, they can do something special this year. And regardless of if Mikey's on board or not, obviously it's an unfortunate situation. I'm not trying to wish right. anything ill on him by any means, but – I just think that's that's something that can't take away from what Penny and the staff have built and, and what they have on roster. Yeah, it's frustrating because we keep getting sort of update, non-updates, that they're kicking the can down the road, and our take every single time remains the same. We don't think he'll play for the Tigers. I mean, I mean it's, it's that simple. I have I mean, Since this whole thing happened, that's what I've thought. Even when, the, when it was scheduled for, uh, whatever, June 29th, I figured that he wouldn't end up on campus. It's it, we're talking about five felony accounts with a with a deadly weapon. It's just yeah. you can't getting that pled down to a misdemeanor, which is what would ultimately have to happen, or getting it dropped completely. That's hard to do. You can't. I mean, it, it does not happen very often. I know that people can afford lawyers and potentially lawyer up and and beat cases like that, but it's hard to imagine that happening happening in this particular situation. Yep, agree with you. Yep. We, we, I'm guessing we talked we talked too long to to talk about NFL Week One on on. Thursday. Oh no, we didn't. Come on, go we ahead, didn't. go ahead. What you got? I'm excited, man. I'm fired up. Can't wait. First game of the season on Thursday night, Chiefs and Lions. Uh, I think which is a a really good matchup. Last year, opening game, we were not treated to a to a good game between the Bills and the Rams. It was a blowout. I don't think that we'll have that situation. Uh, with Chiefs Lions, uh, there's a lot of storylines in this game. The Lions are kind of an ascending team. Right. What they've done in the off season uh, with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I think they're a great duo. That's really building a team that can eventually compete, could compete this year. Uh, you look at the the guys that they've added, and Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery on the defensive side, drafting Jack Campbell, getting uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton. Like this team is really upgraded over the offseason, so I'm excited to see what they do. And they they get to go up against the Goliath. They get to go up against the best yep. team in the league in, 
in the in the first week of the season, in the first game of the season, and uh, and see where they stack up, and see you know where do we need to get better, where do we need to improve, or this could be it, once again don't want to overreact to week one, but this could be the you know the arrival announcement of the Lions, and they don't I don't even think they have to win to do that. And I think if they just play a well, very competitive game and look like they belong, I think think they might have something special there. Uh... Listen, I, I don't ever get overly concerned about the Chiefs um, because every time that you try to do that, whether it be Tyreek Hill leaving or uh, them letting someone walk, yada, 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 you, you always get bit in the butt, right? Because they're just – it's Patrick Mahomes. He'll spread the ball around. They'll play just good enough defense to make something happen, generally speaking. But Chris Jones holding out and Travis Kelsey today with a hyperextended knee calling into question what's going to happen. They're waiting on MRI results. If those two things go against this Chiefs team, I think we have to temper expectations. They're way too damn important for us not to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Obviously, we know what Patrick Mahomes brings, but Travis Kelsey is kind of the straw that stirs the drink for that offense. I mean, he is he is almost everything to that passing game outside of Patrick Mahomes. It's really Travis Kelsey and a bunch of dudes, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. They just don't have any top-flight talent at receiver. And so if they They've really ditched missing, the top flight talent because Travis Kelsey's so damn good. Yeah, they did. They were able to do that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Chris Jones is what makes that engine go. Like he is probably one of the top five defensive players in the league. He's I think he's still probably a little bit underrated. I think he's starting to get a little bit more love. But what he does in that front seven, which I think we've talked about this, but I think that front seven has a ton of potential because they've invested a lot in their defensive ends and they've invested in their linebackers of Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. And if they're without Chris Jones, then all that is thrown off. Right. And so if they if they don't have those two players, uh, let's say they don't have those two players for an extended amount of time, and this Chiefs team is still really good and Mahomes is still doing his thing, then I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> because if he yep. does it without their two other best players – other than him, then that is absurd because it really would just be Patrick Mahomes and pretty much a bunch of no names. Yeah, and last thing for you, your boys are going to get tested week one, Sunday night football against the Giants at the Giants. I feel good about it. Yeah. I feel I feel good about it. Um, it's Once again, it's week one, so anything can happen. We got trounced by the Bucks week one last year, 19-3. Uh, to three. Offense couldn't do anything. Dak broke his thumb. Things were looking extremely down after week one last year. And it, it didn't end necessarily amazingly, but at least they got some revenge on the Bucks in the playoffs and sent Tom Brady on his way in retirement. But we'll see. Like I said, I feel good about it. I think the Cowboys have a really good defense this year. Um, I like the addition of Brandon Cooks. I like Tony Pollard being the lead back. I'm a little bit questionable on the depth behind him with Rico Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn. Yep. But you know, I liked what I saw from see. Deuce though in preseason. Although it's just preseason, yeah, he is I mean, a he is a small man. He is a very is. small man. But it's hard not to root for the underdog. You know, five right. five hundred hundred and eighty pounds was a multi time AP All American, but went to the went in the sixth round because of his size. So if he's able to you know have any kind of productive career, that's a that's a great story. So we'll for see sure. how that shakes out for sure. And his uh, his pops actually coached DBs when I was when I first got here. So that's something. Yeah, yeah Chris you told me about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? But, uh, Christian, appreciate it, man. We'll do it again. All right, boy. All right. See you all next week. Yes, sir. We're going to do it next week, next Tuesday, as is customary on a Tuesday. That is Christian Fowler, though, at C. Fowler BCM on X, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast, full-length video 
uh, version of On the Bluff is on YouTube, and then you can go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast to find that audio version. I need to hop into the Blitz, and uh, I've waited this long to discuss it, but there's a reason. Uh, Mikey Williams' preliminary hearing is postponed yet again. More discussion on the other side, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. There's never a good time to have a disaster in your life, whether it be at a home, office, school, residential property, but when you do have disasters, you need someone who takes pride, who's good at responding in your moment of need, someone that'll make it easy on you, someone who's a fixer. The fixer in town is Service Master by Cornerstone. They are the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, but don't just call them because of the largest. Call them because of the best. They've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Restore franchise in the United States of America. I hope these things never happen to you, whether it's water damage, storm damage, uh, frozen pipes. Uh, you could have a fire and there's smoke damage, mold remediation. You need mold remediation. Make sure you call Service Master by Cornerstone, though, if you do have any of those issues. No matter the place, no matter the size, they're here to help with the damage and respond. Tyler, the president and owner of Service Master by Cornerstone, and his team take pride in what they do, and they're here to help you at these moments. Their motto is, we don't pray for disaster. We just pray we get called when there is one. So remember the name, locally owned, locally operated. Service Master by Cornerstone. And because they respond, I've used that number, that word a whole lot. Call 901-RESPOND. That's their number. 901-RESPOND. 901-R-E-S-P-O-N-D. 901-RESPOND for Service Master by Cornerstone. Now we're live from Service Master by Cornerstone Studios. It's time to hop into the Blitz. Now, the biggest stories. Overloading the line. A bull rush of info. It's Gabe's Blitz on the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, Memphis' sports station. And always remember the Blitz is brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Connor, what you got for me? Mikey Williams's preliminary hearing has been postponed again, set for October 10th, and it was originally supposed to be July 20 or June 29th. Then it was delayed until July 12th, and then until September 5th. The whole idea with getting him on campus this entire time is getting okay. Get it pled down to a misdemeanor, or get all these these cases dropped. We're talking about five felony charges for assault with a deadly weapon, and we still haven't even had the preliminary hearing yet. I mean, this is not happening. Even when this happened, even like right when the charges came down, I, I sort of assumed he was not going to be on this team. It's hard to stand by a kid like this. Now, I, I, I want to start. I want to start by saying, Penny Hardaway, I think it's well done to stand by a kid through thick and thin and show that you're loyal. I think there, there is something good about that. But I want to make it very clear where I stand. When you talk about bringing a guy like Mikey Williams on with all of this sort of attached to his name. There's a risk-reward I think you have to follow. At the beginning of this whole process, early in the offseason when everybody was out the door and you couldn't really fill out your roster and you know you, you didn't know what was going to come in through the transfer portal, I, I thought you know risk was always high, but the reward on the back end, if Mikey Williams could make it to campus in that particular situation, when there was no Caleb Mills and no Javon Quinterly and nobody like that, I figured, okay, reward is still there for him. Right, He could get to campus, he can get his minutes, he could be an on-ball guy, he could be an off-ball guy, but he would be a good member of your backcourt. The moment that Caleb Mills, Javon Quinterly, Jalen Young, 
all these guys in the backcourt signed, the reward went nearly to zero. Right? You're taking an unnecessary risk to bring on a guy who's going to play, what, 10 minutes a game? If he even makes it to campus? There's not a role for him on this team. So I think for, like, as much as I, I respect Penny Hardaway for staying loyal to this kid and trying to make it work even through his dark times, I don't think that there's a good enough reward on the back end for him to continue to do that and continue this relationship. Now, I know Penny probably, you know, he's not going to heed that advice. He's going to stick by Mikey Williams. He's probably had a, made a de- decent friendship, has a decent relationship with him. So he's going to try to continue to make it work. But I, I just, I, I don't think this long term is going to make you look any better uh, than you already have made yourself look by standing by him. And I don't think it helps the team, even if he does make it to campus. Yeah, I, I think I agree with pretty much everything that you said. Um, I have big doubts that we're ever going to really see Mikey Williams in a Memphis uniform. And to your point, I think the day that Javon Quinterly signed with Memphis, the Mikey Williams need kind of went out the window, you know? So now it's all about, is it going to be worth standing by him through this? I understand, you know, there's one, there's two sides of the coin here. One of them is stand by a young man. He's going through a lot. He needs support. Having somebody like Penny Hardaway in his corner, you know, can just help him for his future Outside of basketball, you know, Penny has done so many great things for young for young men in the community over the years that having somebody like that around you has to be a positive thing for Mikey Williams. Now, on the basketball side of things, I just don't know if it's worth the relationship there. He can still have that relationship with Penny. He can still help him out. They can still do the thing. But the relationship but, but with right the University now, of Memphis. Right. But for the basketball that's where team, you start to I'm, not sure, more folks. I'm not sure bringing in somebody like Mikey Williams right now is going to help that team in any way. It would probably just be a distraction for that team moving forward. Maybe next season something can happen. Who knows? But it seems like for this season specifically, Michael Williams just should not really be in the plans and on the court for the Tigers. If he were to make it to campus and the University of Memphis continues with this relationship with Michael Williams, like I, I just think that's, that's bad PR, bad business for you on the back end. I mean, because what's this conversation become? You have a guy with five felony charges who made it to the University of Memphis and you just allowed that. And I think... As much as I hate to say it, I think that does perpetuate thoughts about Memphis as a city, and and you know that type of that type of thought process could start to matriculate to other fan bases, be used against the University of Memphis, and that frustrates me in itself. So I just think ultimately cutting ties with him from a basketball side is is the way to go at this moment. But we'll see what happens here. I I, I hate to see a young man hurt his career in this in this drastic of a way this early, that hurts me. It's it's a really nuanced conversation, I think, because you have a simple basketball conversation where you're just like, yeah, yeah they don't really need Mikey Williams. He'd probably be a distraction. The position that he plays, the role that he plays, has been filled by players who are, quite frankly, better and more experienced than him. But at the same time, does this young man need support? Does he need yes. a structure that the Memphis Tigers could provide? So it's, it's, it's a complex situation. But where I stand is this season, we don't need Mikey Williams. Moving forward, maybe we can talk about it. But if this thing keeps getting kicked down the road, at some point it's like, all right, we gotta, and, and you've got to cut ties at some point. And I've said this. Be there for him personally, but basketball-wise, I'm not sure it's worth it. And I've said this from Mikey Williams' standpoint. Um, I think he should be worried about everything else but – basketball at this moment. 
We don't. I mean, he probably wants to be a pro at some point. Probably wants to play college basketball. Potentially, he wouldn't have committed to the University of Memphis if he didn't want to. Um, but he's got more on his plate right this second. So I think uh, he's at a crossroads. I think his. I think his focus ought to be on trying to correct the ills yes. of, of this offseason and, and what the situation he's put himself in. Yeah, he's at a crossroads. He's got a decision that he can make, and uh, you know, hopefully, he makes the right one. And again, a guy like Penny Hardaway having that influence around that example around, hopefully is rubbing off on Mikey Williams in a positive way. Just you know, I I wish him the best while also not believing that he's going to be part of uh, the team I root for. <sighs> Georgia's speeding problem has continued. Football player connection coordinator Jarvis Jones was arrested for reckless driving and speeding. First round pick to the Steelers, Georgia grad. Uh by the way, football player connection coordinator. That's a title. That's a title. That is a hell That's of a, a title. That's a made-up title. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's making Maybe. money, and he's sure. on staff. Him. So good for him. Um, he's not a graduate assistant. That's that's what that means. Um, they found a role for him. I am beyond frustrated with this entire situation for Georgia. Why does this keep happening? Because you let it keep happening, Kirby. And this isn't even a player. This is a guy who works with the players, connection coordinator. I don't know what he does. He can clearly, the players. He, clearly, clearly, he look works at the with these players look at the name. and can instill lessons upon these players and coach them along, if you will. And he's a guy who was a first round pick. So I'm sure there's a lot of guys in that locker room who look up to him as, oh, he's been there, done that. He can, he can give us a lot of knowledge. And he's doing the same things that they're doing reckless driving, speeding 20 miles per hour over. At the very least, from what I'm understanding from the police report. How does this keep happening? That's what you have to ask yourself. And how does this keep happening is because no one is is checking it. No one is stepping up and saying, guys, if this keeps happening, you're either going to get kicked off, you're going to deal with a suspension, you have to deal with some type of punishment. That hasn't come forward yet. Most of these guys are just walking around. They didn't get any type of suspension. They're walking around... uh, the facility, like nothing happened. They're moving on with their life. And Kirby Smart, all he can do is step up to the damn uh, press, and when they ask him about it, he says, I, I'm trying to get a hold of it. We, we, can't, we can't do anything about it. Yeah, you can. You can. Tell them that there is repercussions for their actions, and I promise you it would slow down. But now you have a coach doing it. It just, I mean, a coach is supposed to be able to instill lessons upon players. And if he can't even sort of practice what what he would have to preach to these players with all the speeding issues, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work ultimately. But the, this is this is sad. There's this only one solution pathetic. for Georgia football: go kart speed limits on all the vehicles. It's the only thing they can do at this point. Every single person involved with Georgia football has to get a speed cap on their vehicles. It cannot go over 55 miles an hour. <laughs> or we'll make it 65. 65. Once they most hit highways. five miles per hour over, it just cuts off. Yes. The, yeah. the car powers down. The car powers down. It's just, it's ridiculous at this point. Get it together. It's not that hard to not drive recklessly on the road. Well, yes. It's super easy well, to not you, do you, that. But again, like with anything, you have to have deterrence to keep them from driving their car like a moron. You have to have deterrence. Like, listen, if you had, you know, five, uh, 20 guys over a two-year period, whatever, who had reckless driving offenses, okay, I'm not going to call that a trend yet. We're up above 300 guys, and now coaches are implicated in, in what, three, three to five years? 
Get it together, man. That's just too much. It's too much. Clearly, everyone seems to have the same mindset when they get behind the wheel of a car, and it's led to death already. It's pathetic that he hadn't done anything. But I don't expect him to do anything going forward because he hadn't done anything to this point. They and it's get, been a problem. It's been a problem. They need Vin Diesel to speak to the team to tell them about <laughs> the dangers of driving fast. Vin Diesel? Yeah. Listen, family. Oh, no. <laughs> I, honestly. It's, it's just, it's silly. It, there's no, it's like, come on, 300 guys? Yeah. It seems fake. When and somebody now, tells you that, you now, think it's fake, and then you're like, oh, that's real. And now implicated coaches. It's just, it is. Get it together. Awful. Awful. But for those that are just now joining, Jarvis Jones, the football player connection coordinator, grad of the University of Georgia, former first-round pick by the Steelers, he was arrested for reckless driving and speeding, adding to an offseason of the exact same things. Consistent criminal activity from that Georgia football program. And now you have a coach adding to it. But that'll do it for the Blitz. One more segment left in the day. That will be the rewind when I return. On the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now is the Rewind. Now we play a battle like rewind. Brought to you by Memphis Barbecue Company. Rewind on 92.9. Week one of college football was fun. And I, I have to say the best part of it was watching Colorado do what they did. Showed the world what they've been talking about this entire offseason. Coach Prime brought it to national television. They beat TCU on the road and earned themselves number 23 in the AP poll. Now, I want to say there's a trend for me here. 53 transfers led the country. And I think they had 87 new players altogether. And it has now turned a 1-11 team to a top 25 team in one single game. And the reason I say it's a trend, there was another situation where a remade roster paid off. G.J. Kinney. The new coach at Texas State brought in 45 transfers to a team who was 4-8 a year ago. And they went on the road and beat a team in Baylor 42-31. to The landscape has dramatically changed. And we've been saying this since NIL, transfer portal, everything became a, a normalcy. But you will either need to adapt or you'll die. It's that simple. Now, if you want to play back the whole show, listen to any of the interviews we had, download the Odyssey app, search 9290 ESPN. What's the biggest game tonight? Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're going to go with Rangers versus Astros, 7.05 p.m. Framber Valdez, who's not had that great of a year, versus Nathan Avaldi. Now, the Rangers have struggled as of late, but Nathan Avaldi hasn't this entire year. ERA in the twos. And he's hungry. He's coming back from injury tonight. This is his first start in quite a while. In quite a while, since July. So give me the Rangers, minus 102 via FanDuel. Make sure you uh, you throw some scratch on that. Thank me later. Fast forward. Fast forward. Uh, we'll have Ty Richardson on college football in the SEC and what happened in week one. That'll be fun to cover. Um, how does LSU respond? Does Bama, do you like what they have at the quarterback position in Jalen Milrow? There's going to be a lot to discuss with Ty. Uh, we'll have NFL notes ahead of week one, and we'll only be a day away from Thursday night football. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Chiefs first Lions will be upon us before we know it. But that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Christian Fowler and Jeff Calkins for their contributions to the show. We'll meet back here at the same time tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and pass you off to Joe and Amber. For Connor, I'm Gabe. Be easy, be safe, and enjoy the rest of your night. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers Talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers say play 92.9 ESPN. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. 
Plus, all $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K. G-A-B-E-K, that's my promo code, and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds, terms, and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. When you walk into Genesis Diamonds, it's jaw-dropping. Hey, it's Eric Hasseltine, and Genesis has a gorgeous showroom with more fine jewelry than you've ever seen in one place. No commission salespeople and no stress whatsoever. Genesis Diamonds is a whole new refreshing concept in jewelry shopping that people here are absolutely loving. And they specialize in diamonds, so they have every size and every shape diamond you can imagine. From a half-carat to 20-carat diamonds, rounds, ovals, cushion cuts, princess cuts, and cuts, pear shapes, you name it, they've got it. And you can choose from natural diamonds or lab-grown diamonds. The prices will shock you. Genesis is a disruptor. They came here to expose high jewelry markups at other stores and pass the savings on to you. Genesis is a game-changer. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.